With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? I made it clear that my intention was to play, and my intention was to play for the New York Jets. Rodgers going for it all, looking to bring it open. He's got it! Snaps it quick, scrambles to his right, pumps and runs, and Rodgers is inside the pylon. Allen has time. Intercepted. Sauce Gardner's got it. Breaking away, Garrett Wilson. Wilson, a big play downfield. Allen tripped up. He could not get past Jermaine Johnson. Oh, look at the speed of Brees Hall. He's done it again. Brees Lightning. 62 yards for the touchdown. And he's sacked again by Quinton Williams. What a beast. Number 95 for the Jets. Listen, thank you. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at Play Like a Jet One. And joined again by one of my favorite guests, one of the nicest guys out there and great at what he does. He writes for NFL.com about the draft and general NFL. And of course, the unofficial president of the Dale Murphy fan club, Mr. Eric Edholm. <laughs> Eric, thanks so much for coming back on the show, brother. Hey, it's good to be here, man. And uh, good to uh, settle into the offseason portion of the, of the calendar and Start thinking about what might happen in the fall. It's a, it's a good time to be a, a, a little little downtime, and then and then we get to fire it back up in August. Well, Eric, let's start with this. The Jets in the offseason made a couple of moves in free agency, <clears throat> brought in Alan Lazard, Billy Turner later on, Randall Cobb. We'll include Aaron Rodgers here because that was a pretty sizable move. The Jets offseason, yeah. your thoughts? Yeah, interesting. I mean, obviously coming off a year that, that – raised expectations but also you know showed the limitations of what they could do as a team with, with Zach Wilson and the other options at quarterback and you know Rodgers is the obvious centerpiece and and you know being the the Pied Piper he is obviously brought some of his buddies with him and I wasn't as quite as jacked up about this year's Jets draft class as I was last year I mean I think I gave the Jets you know, one of the three highest grades going, you know, immediately after the draft and it ended up being a, an all time rookie class, of course, and, and still room for growth with guys like Jermaine Johnson. So, 
I, I wasn't quite as excited about, you know, Will McDonald, Joe Tipman. I mean, I, you know, again, good players. I'm not knocking the picks at all. I think both can help out quite a bit. Uh, Izzy Abanacanda, I think, is a good back that they needed some some depth at that position. You mentioned some of the free agent moves and, you know, Nicole Hardman as well. Another another kind of chess piece on offense, if you will. Uh, it'll be interesting. I mean, I, it, obviously, the the big question up in Green Bay the last couple of years was how Rodgers was going to work with some of the new faces at receiver. I mean, he had Devontae for one of those years and Devontae was traded it took a while for him to get on the same page as some of the young guys in Green Bay, but eventually it happened. And, and you know, you saw connections with Romeo Dubs and Christian Watson. And, and I, I can only assume that, you know, it, it's going to be probably a similar thing where at first, you know, you, you can see obvious room for improvement, uh, getting Garrett Wilson the ball enough, getting Lazard enough touches, using Hardman effectively. You know, assuming Cobb is in the mix, what kind of role does he play? Is he just a mentor? Is he going to have a, you know, an offensive diet too? And of course, you know, we don't know what Brees Hall's status is and all that right now. But but they they should have enough to kind of hold fort while everything's gelling, while everything's coming together. And they're they're one of the five or six teams that I think you have to be most fascinated about this offseason as far as you know, franchise or, you know, face of the franchise changing off seasons because look, I mean, whether Rogers plays one year, two, three, this is dramatically altering the course of their, of their organization one way, good or bad. So, you know, they're obviously going to be a team that's in the spotlight this year. Eric, I want to talk a little bit more in depth about the draft in a second, but first I wanted to dig in on Aaron Rodgers. How much do you think Aaron Rodgers changes the ceiling here for the Jets? Because last year they went 7-10, and 10, and at one point they were in the running to be the number one seed in the AFC. It's crazy to think <laughs> about, but back in like October, November, that was a real possibility before the wheels fell off and Zach Wilson really went into the dustbin and things got ugly for the Jets down the stretch and they weren't able to win any games in their last six. But before yeah. that, they were considered a team that could make some noise if they could just get themselves into the playoffs. Now they go from arguably league worst quarterback play or at least close to it <laughs> to having Aaron Rodgers. Now, Aaron Rodgers, 39 years old, he's going to turn 40 during the season. Not necessarily the same guy that he's been during the course of his career, but he did win back to back MVPs as recently as two years ago. So it's not like right. it's somebody who's coming in here and he's five, six years past his best. This is a guy that really was still operating at a high level, even as recently as 2021. So talk to me about Aaron Rodgers, what you think the Jets are going to get out of him, the team ceiling with him here, and then what we've seen so far in terms of a culture switch. We've heard a lot of stories about Rodgers being very involved, making sure that they know that the standard is going to be raised here and he's going to be expecting a lot of them and this is what we see a lot of times with veteran quarterbacks who have this kind of resume right Eric we saw it with Tampa Bay when Tom Brady went there we saw it in Denver with Peyton Manning if you want to go back a little bit we saw it when Joe Montana got to Kansas City so tell me what you think overall about what Jets fans should expect here with Aaron Rodgers at the helm yeah and and crazy to think that not that long ago, Zach Wilson and the uh, outplayed Aaron Rodgers, or at least beat him. And uh, 
head to head. And it's just funny to think, you know, how, how things have turned since then. But, you know, I would add another one to that list. And and just to to be the, the devil's advocate, look what happened with Russell Wilson in Denver last year, right? I mean, that's the that's the yeah, but situation is that mm-hmm. these these veteran additions don't always work out. And it was how Wilson was treated, at least the perception of how he was treated by Broncos management, by Broncos coaches, having his own office, all this and that, all these weird sort of perks that um, when it seemed to go above and beyond. And and I'm not saying that's going to happen with Rodgers, because like you said, everything so far has, even while Rodgers has appeared to kind of wink and maybe throw a little bit of quiet shade at the Packers while doing so, he's also, I think, using that that energy to make sure that he's incorporating himself into the Jets culture and also letting everybody know what his level of expectation is. He's a he's a perfectionist. He's a type A guy. I mean, he I, I remember talking to a former team, teammate of Rogers years ago who left Green Bay and said, you know, I, in essence, I'm paraphrasing here. I don't remember the exact phrasing, but he said, man, I did not like playing with Aaron that first year, you know, just getting used to what his demands were and his expectations were, he said, but by year two, I got it. I understood what he wanted. I understood why he wanted those things that by year three, when he had left and gone to another team and played for a quarterback of, of lesser stature, uh, less established, less talent, less of that kind of, you know, drive and that singular focus that he sometimes has. I met, you know, he basically said, I missed it. I wanted that, that. So, it may not be an instant coffee kind of thing where it just happens and everybody's blown away. Obviously, if they if they start out five and zero and and you know get off to a hot start, all the talk is going to be about wow, Rogers has waved his magic magic wand and and he's fixed all their problems, whether that's true or not. So I don't know. It's fascinating. On the one hand, I could easily see him coming in, you know, building off a little bit of the momentum he had late in the year. They'd fallen in a hole and then he pulled himself out and played a little better down the stretch and. Like you said, recent MVP level play. Brady was on the way down in New England, picked it back up his first year in Tampa. There's always that boost potential to to go somewhere new and you know get that cloak off your back, if you will. It it, it could also go the other way, you know, and and not every 40 year old quarterback, future Hall of Fame QB, is going to be brilliant. So I'm a little ambivalent, but also if you assume that that you know, Zach Wilson, Mike White, everybody else is the, is the floor. It's hard to imagine Rogers not playing above that level on some, you know, wavelength. Right. So that's the bottom line is that I think he's going to increase the quarterback production and he's also going to bring some, some real respect to the table. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Play like a Jet. Play like a Jet. Eric, I've said I think the most likely scenario for the Jets is they win 10, 11 games, get into the playoffs most likely as a wild card with the Bills winning the division, and then from there you see what happens. You think that's probably the most likely scenario? 
Yeah, I mean, obviously we never know, right? I mean, but, you know, Josh Allen could get hit by a bus tomorrow and <laughs> that changes everything, but uh, I hope it doesn't, right? Just so everybody knows, I'm not rooting for Josh to get hit, but uh, uh, it, the big picture is all things being equal. Yeah, I think the Bills probably have a little more firepower and a little bit more established of a, of a roster right now. Um, I just did a piece couple, you know, last week that was talking about the the most complete rosters. Both Jets and Bills were on it. Dolphins just missed the cut. Uh, I know a lot of Dolphins fans were, uh, uh, you know, burning my name in effigy last week, but that's okay. We we'll still love them. Love those guys. Love the Jets fans. Love Bills fans. You know, love them all. But uh, I just, I'm not quite as enamored with them as some people are. I think they have, you know, adding Ramsey was great and adding good talent, but. Can Tua make it through a 17-game schedule? And, you know, can they get the most out of those playmaking wide receivers? Because that's really the strength of their team, I think. I, I'm not sure. I think I have just a tiny bit more faith in what the Jets have. They have more options, a little more multiplicity, in my opinion. Um, and the defense might be a, a ready to take that next step, I guess. So I have them, like you said, probably – Somewhere in that that ten to eleven win range as well. Dolphins maybe equal or slightly lesser, and the Bills maybe just slightly ahead at this point. Eric, I want to talk a little bit more about the draft. You mentioned how you weren't as bullish on this year's draft as you were last year's draft, which makes sense because last year the Jets had four picks in the top 40. They had three in the first round, and Brees Hall was almost a first rounder. In fact, the Jets tried to trade up into the first round to grab him so they could get that fifth-year option. Instead, they wound up getting him in the second round. So that's the type of class that if you hit on those players, you have the opportunity to have a very special draft class. You and many others recognize that right away and it looks like it's heading in that direction as you said we'll see what Jermaine Johnson does and how Brees Hall recovers but obviously the Jets had the two rookies of the year last year in Sauce Gardner and Garrett Wilson so having a draft class this year with nowhere near that type of ammo be anywhere near mm-hmm. as good as last year's class is unrealistic but I thought all considered the Jets did reasonably well here and I wanted to go through player by player here a lot of people thought that Will McDonald was a massive reach I don't know if I think that. I figure that Will McDonald probably would have gone somewhere in the back half of the first round. And ultimately, you know how that goes, Eric. You got to be careful the way you play the board because if the Jets really like Will McDonald, and as we saw on one Jets drive, Flight 23, Seth Bradley, the director, was on the show recently to talk about this because it was in episode two of the series. The Jets really liked Will McDonald a lot. They liked him better than Broderick Jones, which was not the perception that people had before the draft. People thought that the Jets wanted Broderick Jones, and as you saw in the series, Joe Douglas knew somebody was going to trade ahead of him for Broderick Jones, wasn't bothered by it because Broderick Jones wasn't the apple of his eye. And so... Mm -hmm. I thought the Will McDonald pick made a lot of sense from the perspective of if you really like him and you don't get a good enough offer to move down and you're not entirely confident that he's going to be there if you move down a lot, just take the guy and roll with it. So that's where I came down with Will McDonald, who I like a lot. Now, some people like him more than others. What do you think of McDonald as a prospect and what did you think of the selection there? Yeah, fascinating player. Uh, I first kind of watched him in depth going up against, um, I'm blanking on his name, the the Saints left tackle who played at Northern Iowa. Um, just, I, hey, we're, we're one draft class removed. I already forget all these guys' names. It's amazing. But um, yeah, so, you know, and get to see him, in, you know, against the player who ended up being a first round pick. And 
Um, you know, that was the first time that I kind of laid eyes on him and, and he showed some fight, you know, and he drew, drew a couple penalties in the game and, you know, got in the backfield and, and you kept consistently seeing him causing problems for opposing offenses. That was the biggest thing that, that I noticed was, you know, even while lining up out of position, often as a four eye, which would kick him more inside. I mean, at the college level, his quickness could do a number on those guards, but holding up against the the run in that kind of a role in the NFL just isn't realistic, except in, you know, kind of obvious passing situations where it's not a big, you know, a factor really. So, you know, if, if you play more to his strengths and yeah, we'd love to see him be 250 pounds, but that may not be a realistic weight for him to, to maintain. Uh, he's got the length, the quickness, the bendability to be a top tier pass rusher. I just thought there were enough questions about his play strength and his bulk to just slightly question the pick and say, look, there is a risk here. So mm-hmm. I'm with you. I, I I think fit is the most important thing with the draft. So if you take him at 15 versus 22, like somehow they could magically conjure up a trade down seven spots. How much better would you like it a little more? You know, I mean, you have to have pass rushers. You have to have coverage guys. This is, I think what, what, what Robert Sala understands you know, I think it's what Jeff Ulbrich understands. I think it's something that, you know, if the Johnson pick doesn't work out the way you expected, you butcher sit with another choice. And Michael Clemens was a nice pick last year. You still have Carl Lawson, who's, you know, like the guy who's, I think, forever going to be younger than I think he is. <laughs> you know, I always think Carl Lawson's in his 15th year or something like that. No, he's not that old. But along with, with what they have uh, inside with Quinnen and, Solomon Thomas, they picked up. Maybe it can be a, a, a reclamation project. That's a good two deep unit up front, and you can you can rotate players and mix and match. And if you see a lumbering guard, maybe you can expose them on some stunts and twists. And McDonald's the kind of guy I think who could be very very good at that. Good way to think a year ahead too, Eric, because Carl Lawson's a free agent at the end of this season. So that's right. Once he goes, you could have Will McDonald and Jermaine Johnson as your tandem. And I assume that is the hope for Robert Sala and Jeff Ulbrich here. Second round, this is a pick that was pretty much widely praised. It seemed to be a bit of a no-brainer. The Jets needed help on the offensive line. There had been talk about center. Now, they did re-sign Connor McGovern, but they paid him very little money, under $2 million. He can play center or guard, and at that price, he doesn't have to start necessarily. He could just be good depth for Joe Tipman, who the Jets picked at number 4. The center out of Wisconsin Tipman can also play a little bit of center and guard But I think the thought here is Best offensive lineman available on their board. He's a guy that comes in and could potentially fill that center need for the next 10 years. And if he's not ready to go right away, you do have Connor McGovern as a hedge. Of course, McGovern, if he doesn't start, could be that swing center guard in case an injury happens. So either way, it seems to me to be a good fit that in addition to being good value, winds up suiting what they need because Tittman's athleticism really is a good fit for the zone blocking scheme that they run. What do you think here? Because this seemed to be a pick that was a lot less controversial than Will McDonald. Yeah, it, it fits an immediate need, as you mentioned. It gives them flexibility up front. I think that's, you know, those are all important elements of, of what you're trying to do. And, you know, I mean, I think they have the guard positions figured out. Now you have your center. Obviously, with Aaron Rodgers, assuming that Tippman wins that job, like you said, McGovern's still in the mix there. But 
you know, that does put some extra pressure on him. Uh, but I think he's smart enough. He's regarded as somebody with a high football IQ. Comes from a program very well respected in offensive line played Wisconsin. Uh, big guy, unusually tall for that position. You don't seek centers with that kind of length typically, but uh, moves very well. I think keeps his pad level w- low enough for that for that role. Uh, interesting player, no doubt about it. That's good second round value. We've seen second round centers like Creed Humphrey, you know, s- step in and, and perform right away. And I think there's some similarities in their games a little bit, you know, not, I would say John Michael Schmitz, the other second round center was a little closer to that, but uh, both good players. I liked them both. Um, and, you know, obviously you have to hope the tackle positions figure themselves out. That, that's going to be the big thing to watch. I think in camp is, is how the edges are protected. And we know Rogers can, get a little chippy if he's getting too much contact or too much heat and he's constantly having to step up or adjust or throw off unusual platforms. And, and even though he's great at it, you know, you still, you, ideally you want to give him as clean a pocket as you can. So yeah, I, you're right. That's a, a far less controversial pick. It made a lot of sense and, and it helps the offensive line. I think uh, considerably. The Jets then picked back-to-back Pittsburgh players, Eric. They got Israel Abanacanda in the fifth round, and before that, in the fourth round, his teammate Carter Warren. Warren, the offensive tackle. Abanacanda, explosive running back. I like both of these picks. Carter Warren's a guy that might not be able to start right away, but I think he has the physical tools to eventually develop into a starter, and if nothing else, maybe he gives them a decent swing tackle year one as a rookie. And Abanacanda, look... The Jets needed some insurance for Brees Hall. We've talked about the running back position for the Jets for a while. Michael Carter really fell off last year. Bam Knight did well for a couple of games and then sort of fell off a cliff. And we know what happened with Ty Johnson where they brought him back only to then eventually release him. So the Jets do have questions at running back. And in the fifth round, getting a guy like Abanacanda with his size, speed, and vision and the fit that he is in this scheme seemed to make a lot of sense to me. What would you think of the back-to-back Pittsburgh guys? Yeah, both very, very solid picks. I like Carter Warren. This was not a tackle class that was exceptionally deep in my mind. There were some some pretty good first and second round options. I thought after that, it really dried out. A lot of these college tackles were were more projected inside in this group. And um, you know, again, it was a, it was a it was a it was a decent lot, but not a, an amazing one. And, and Carter has good experience. Uh, he's played a lot of right tackle. Uh, he's played some left. He has been a little bit on penalty prone at times, um, but I thought was a was a good, functional, strong, tough, physical player who was probably average to slightly above average starter quality. That's kind of how I viewed him. So to get that player, you know, well into round four, I think is very good. I mean that you know you're hoping for two starters and two reserves typically in an in an average draft class now i know they didn't have a third round pick i know they had the extra uh heft in last year's draft class as far as picks were concerned but um you know that's good value right there and abana canda running back obviously a position where you can kind of wait and and usually get some some pretty good options in the, in day 3 did so here i think he's a fit um and you know abana canda's kind of burst was was impressive when I watched him. Once he got a runway, you know, he really made use of it. And he had some busted off some big plays this year. And he's got a good thick build at 200 and what, 15 pounds or so, I'd guess. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, you're right. I think it was, you know, Michael Carter was a disappointment. And I still think there's hope for him. But obviously with Hall's injury and, you know, just knowing you want a little bit of insurance and 
understanding what you went through last year, it was smart, especially at this point in the draft. So those are two of my favorite picks that they made. I think it made a lot of sense. They took the chance late on the tight end from ODU. And that's a, those are the kind of plays that I love making late in the draft. Why not? Um, but th- these two picks were probably the most, uh, best combination of value and sense and need. And, and it all kind of came together. Eric, the rest of the way, the Jets had some good late-round flyers, I thought. Zaire Barnes, the linebacker, very athletic guy. He actually played some offense in high school, so maybe they could use him on some trick plays or something, but gives them some special teams ability as well, as does Jarek Bernard Converse, the cornerback who is a transfer from Oklahoma State to LSU. Some real versatility there, can play some safety and corner. Did reasonably well at both when asked to do so at both schools that he played at and then after that as you said Zach Kuntz the tight end out of Old Dominion I love that pick because in the seventh round when you get a guy with that kind of elite athleticism at the position and those measurables and somebody who produced pretty well at Old Dominion it's worth a shot because the worst that happens is a seventh round pick doesn't work out the best that happens is you get him to his athletic ceiling and he becomes a very productive player for you and then another player I want to ask you about even though he wasn't drafted Trey Dean the safety out of Florida there's some high hopes for him here with the Jets because the Jets are very thin at safety so people believe that he may have a real shot to make the roster I thought he was probably going to get picked in the late rounds didn't happen but he has roster ability I think I know that may not be a word technically but i just made it up so <laughs> we'll roll with it here eric i'm gonna now say that i love roster it. ability is a word what do you think of those guys at the end of the draft for the jets and then trey dean yeah add it to the dictionary man i'm, I'm in favor of roster <laughs> ability i think that makes sense. <laughs> good a good august word too right we'll be using that one this summer yeah we'll go in reverse order just for fun uh trey dean was a player who i thought had was draftable quality talent um you know, there there were some infamous plays that were were kind of associated with him in college uh, that that may have negatively affected him. But talked to some people out at the East West Shrine game who said he performed well, and I was a little surprised. You know, New England was the coaching staff out there that that he worked with. I believe, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think it was the uh, the Raiders, but um, you know. I, I was a little surprised they didn't make a move for him, especially, you know, they they could use some after McCourty retired. And I'm so I think the Jets got a pretty good college free agent right there. Like you said, it's a for safety was one of the positions that I thought could have used a little help in the draft, but it wasn't crying about it. You know, I didn't think that was a, a, a drastic thing. I mean, you still have, you know, you traded for Clark, you still have Whitehead. You, you I, I think Ashton Davis is still on the roster. So, you know, it's, uh, yeah, they, they at least have some more options there. Kuntz was not my favorite tight end to watch, but he was one of my favorite athletes of the position. No question about it. I mean, was a former Penn State recruit, a guy who was considered, you know, maybe the Mike, next Mike Gusecki coming out of uh, high school. So if you think about it in those terms and, and it being a slower developing uh, position, you could cut him in August, put him on the practice squad. I think you'd probably get him through, right? Uh, unless he went off in the preseason or something like that. You know, because I think they're deep enough at tight end. So I understood why they took the chance on him. Maybe have an injury, something else happens. But uh, he's still raw in some respects of the game, and I don't think he's a much of a blocker for his dimensions. You know, I mean, he's very athletic, and uh, I just think needs a lot of technical cleanup in his game. But boy, I mean, those tools are exciting. And uh, you're right, Barnes. Uh, I think can can add some diversity and uh, and athleticism to that linebacker group. And 
you know, JBC is another another multiple piece in the in the secondary that that uh, uh, I think can can possibly help out at multiple spots. Certainly is going to be an option in the nickel. I think that's where his best spot is. If I had to pick one myself, uh, and special teams as well. So. Um, yeah, I mean, a very productive and, and solid day three. And if you include the undrafted for agents as well, uh, you know, Dean would probably be the one that comes to mind. I'm trying to think if I saw any other. I love the kid Jason Brownlee they got at receiver. He's another one that, that kind of interested me. I got on him a little late. Yeah, I thought he was one worth taking a shot on, too, even if receiver's deep. You never know what happens with Mims, you know, or, or Corey Davis. Those guys technically could be traded. So, yeah, I thought they 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 finished strong for the most part with what they had. Eric Edholm, who covers the draft and the NFL for NFL.com. Thanks so much for coming back on the show. Always enjoy having you on. Like I said, you're one of my favorite people to talk to because you're a fountain of knowledge, but also one of the nicest guys out there. So thank you so much for coming on. For those that want to check out everything you're doing over at NFL.com, follow you on social media, maybe talk a little Dale Murphy with you. How can they do yeah. that? Yeah, the, the Murph talk will get you uh, to the front of the line, let me tell you. Uh, <laughs> and thank you. You are also very kind to work with. I enjoy coming on anytime I get, so thanks uh, for that. Uh, NFL.com, uh, Twitter is Eric with a C, underscore Ed Holm, E-D-H-O-L-M. And uh, I'm a little more sparse in the summer on there, but I, I check it out, and I'll keep uh, keep keeping tabs on what's going on. And uh before you know it, football will be here again, so we'll uh, we'll crank it up when we need to. That is for sure. Football is a 24-7, 365 sport at this point. The NFL yeah. has figured out a way to master that and make it happen. So as you said, Eric, I'm sure you'll be a little more sparse on Twitter, but you'll be there because the NFL is going to be having things happen, and so will the Jets. So make sure you check out everything that Eric's doing and everything that we're doing over at playlikeajet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. The Thunder from Down Under, Luke Grant, has some awesome all 20 two breakdowns up there including all the draft picks that we just talked about during the show so watch those videos and subscribe if you haven't already youtube.com slash play like a jet visit our store tpublic.com that's teepublic.com we've got the john franklin myers quinn and williams bless you thank you shirt the play like a jet logo shirt caps mugs hoodies it's all there tpublic.com that's teepublic.com and be sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast on itunes if you haven't done that already easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing doesn't take you much time doesn't cost you any money but it goes a long way to help us out so if you could go ahead and do that for us we'd be quite grateful and for the latest and greatest the new york jets podcast and content you know where to go that's play like a jet digital and play like a jet.com 